I, talk about difficulty. It, it's uh, amazing. When I was growing up, I was never in the sports. And I know most kids are in the sports. I never got in the sports. The only thing I ever did was in eighth grade, I played soccer. That was it. And I was never good at it. I know I wasn't good at it. Uh, I, w- I never had that athletic vibe in me whatsoever. I was never well, did well with basketball and stuff. But I would get out thinking maybe this is my year. I'd do it. We had an old basketball goal at our uh, hoop at our house. And I remember I would get out there and I'd practice, I'd practice, I'd practice. I would shoot hoops. I would practice dribbling. I'd go up for layups and all that stuff. And to be honest, I got really good at it. I'm not trying to brag, but I'm telling you, I was really good at it. Until I'd go to school and play against people. And as soon as I had opposition, they'd take the ball, they, they would jump up in front of me, and I couldn't handle it. As soon as the pressure came on, and I thought, man, this would be great if I could just play basketball and not have to go up against anybody. And you're like, well, that's not how it works. I know that's not how it works. But I think in life, sometimes we think, man, life would be great if I could just go through life and not have opposition. It's not how it works. It's never going to be how it works. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober Be vigilant because your adversary, the word adversary is your opponent. Because your opponent, your opposition, your enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's going to fight you. He's going to push you back. He's going to resist. That is what he does. So as long as you stand for God, as long as you say, I'm going to raise my family in church, expect opposition. And I've had so many people say, I don't understand. The moment that I said, I'm going to go to church and do what's right, that's when everything started falling apart. Well, yeah, because that's when you told Satan, I challenge you. I'm going to go up against you. You're not going to have my wife. You're not going to have my kids. You're not going to have my family. And it is a guarantee that you're going to have opposition. We will see this in the life of Moses as we study this tonight. But the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, when you do things to please God, When you do things the right way, when you do them according to what God has said, when your ways please the Lord, the Bible says, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's something that we're studying. This is what God's saying. He says, go and do it my way. Just, Just serve God in the right way. Go and do it the right way. But when you do, God said, I will fight your enemies for you. I'll work on their hearts or work on their minds. God does all this. So Moses is in this passage, and a lot of what we're doing is the faithfulness of God. And, it, I, and my point is really at the end of this, I don't have a lot of points as we go through this. I'm really just going to tell you the story and point some things out to get to one big major point at the end. So just be ready for that. But Moses was a dad. He's a husband. He's got a job. He works for Jethro, backs out of the desert, go and free my people. Now he's got to transition his whole life out of that. He's been there for 40 years. A lot happening right now. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, uh, verse 18, he shares his heart with Jethro, his father-in-law, who was also his boss. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said it in, let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said, go in peace. You know, keep in mind that this was a big decision. And it's neat how if God leads you to do something, God's going to start opening the doors. You can imagine going up to Jethro and saying, hey, I'm going to take your grandkids and your daughter, and we're going to go fight against the, you know, the, the Egyptians. And I mean, like, no, you're not. You're not taking my daughter, man. You work for me. And it's amazing. When, when your ways please the Lord, God will make even your father-in-law be at peace with you. Okay, so it's amazing. You can imagine going up to his wife. Hey, honey, we need to talk. 
Uh, we're going to go on a little trip. I'm going to take to Egypt. It's like, what? All those stories? But everything begins to fall in place because that's what God does. When you serve God, when you do what's right, God will work with you through all these things. And so, although Moses had been given the instruction by God, he still had to com- uh, commitments and obligations. And I'll tell you this, when, when God leads you to do something and people have come up to me and said, Ben, God's going to lead me to take this new job. I said, man, that's great. Leave your old job right. God doesn't leave you, lead you to do things that ruin your testimony. God's not going to do that. God, do the right thing. And uh, Exodus 4, verse 18, And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. God was working through the details of this. And God does that. God, God just works in mysterious ways to show you, I'm in this, I'm with you as you go. I told you guys a story before. I've, I've told you guys a lot of uh, stories through this series about my journey of getting to where I'm at now. Now, when I was leaving Pensacola and I was going into ministry and I was making that transition, I was going from Pensacola Christian College to Trinity Baptist College. I was going to go from computer science into uh, full-time ministry. And, and I, I told you a bunch of the backstories and all that kind of stuff that happened. But I wanted to take Jenny with me. I, I, I didn't want to go by myself. And I remember uh, Jenny saying, my dad will never, ever, ever let me get married and go with you. She says, my dad has made a very hard rule. You can get married after your four years of college. N- nothing less. It's not going to happen. And Jenny's dad is by the book. I mean, if he's got a plan, he's going to work the plan. And that is the plan. There's no deviating from that. And I remember going before her, her dad and sitting down with a budget and a plan in my heart. And I, and I had like all this paperwork that I was laying out and I was trying to prove to him, I, I can do this. And I remember at the end of it, he says, I have no idea why I'm saying yes. But he says, I, I, I think you and Jenny need to get married and I think you guys need to go off to Bible college. And I'm like, what? I was shocked. And later I remember having a conversation with him. I said, why did you say yes to it? He said, I, I just knew your heart. He said, I knew that's what God was leading you to do. And I can tell you guys to this, that's, that so went against his nature. But that's what God does. God works through this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his father-in-law, his mother-in-law, everybody, God makes things work out. God is faithful through our difficulties. Now I'm going to show you how God does this, all right? This is just little bits, and like we're doing, we're doing an expository study. We're just taking these verses as we go through this and showing you that the story of Moses is way more than let my people go and walking through the Red Sea and Ten Commandments, okay? There's a lot more going on with this. And, and really, I'm not even trying to tell the Exodus story. I'm really just trying to tell the Moses story of God's faithfulness through him. It says in verse 19, let me show you how God gives us peace. This is so cool. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, go return into Egypt. And then he drops this. For all the men are dead which sought thy life. Isn't that cool? How God was like, I know, you've, I know you're afraid. I know what's going through your mind. But I'm just going to drop something into your heart and mind right now for you to know that it's going to be okay. It's, it's cool how God works like that. I, I, can, I can tell you, um, I was sitting in my office this past week. And lots of conversations, a lot of things going on. Our office is busy. You know, there's, there's a bunch of us that, you know, working in and out and people coming in and appointments and stuff. And I'm just sitting in my office and I'm working and I just pause and I'm hearing a conversation that's happening right outside the door of my office. 
And it was just them bragging on something that God was doing and how God was working and something like this. And I just sit there and hear that. And I tell you, it stirred me up so much. And, and why did they have that conversation right there in that moment? Why was it that I was listening at that very moment? It was almost like God said, I'm going to tell you something because right now I think you just need to be encouraged. And God does that. God works in the little ways like this. And as, as you're walking by faith and, and, and listening to God, it's God just saying, I, I'm going to take care of it. And so Moses gathers his family together in verse 20. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Now, remember, that before was just a stick. Remember, it was not the rod of God. I'm saying it's like, how did this transition into the rod of God? It was mattering. God says, what's in your hand, Moses? Cast it down. Pick it back up again. He said, turn it into a serpent. He was showing that the power of God. God says, I'll work with what I get. I'll work through what I give you. And all of a sudden, you realize that the talents that you have and the things that God's giving you and you know, it's, it belongs to God. God's going to work through those things. And I, I've been over, uh, I, I think of this illustration, so powerful, of uh, Bob and Shelley Morcom. Bob and Shelley had this beautiful house. I remember when they moved in and, and, or, and, and, and had this, this location that they, had, they lived there for a while. And then God was transitioning them to buy this, this farm. And I remember when Bob and Shelley were first looking at it, and we drove out there, and, and Bob was just standing there, and he says, he said, Tony, I don't know what God's doing, but he said, man, I really feel like God wants us to sell this really nice house that they have to, to buy this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. He said, I really think God's going to do something through this place. And he said, man, maybe, maybe we could have some cookouts out here, or maybe this or maybe that. But they just rem- I remember them getting that and saying, we just pray over this and saying, God, do something with it. Now that place today is Glory Rain Stables. It's a counseling center to help troubled youth and people that are going through difficulties and, and our church is supporting of it. And, and they're like, have this amazing ministry. Why? Because they were like, God said, what, what, what do you have? Well, God, it's just an old farm. No, throw it down and let me do something with it. And God says, no, that's now going to be something used for the glory of God. And that's what God does. Now Moses is saying, man, I used to think this was nothing, but little is much when God is in it. God does amazing things through this. And he took the rod of God in his hand, the rod of God, the, the, the tool that he was going to use through him. So God reminds Moses of his task. Look at verse 21. And God said unto Moses, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all the wonders before Pharaoh, for I have put in thine hand, and I will harden his heart, and he shall not let the people go. Now this is a controversial verse, because I've had people say, see, God sends some people to hell because God hardened his heart. And God hardens his heart and turns people to, away from God sometimes. And that's what he does. And not getting into the whole doctrine of election and predestination and all, foreknowledge of God and all that. But let me just drop in this. A lot of people use that verse right there to say, see, God hardened his heart. Here's what's going on and why is this, people don't understand what's going on. God knew his heart. And God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk in there and say, there is a one true God and you're not it. And God said, as soon as I say those words, I know I'm going to make him mad. It's like if you know the heart of your teenager, and you know, and you're sitting there with your wife or whatever, your husband, and you're sitting there talking and saying, well, I got to go make them mad. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to make them clean their room. Well, you know that's going to set them off. I know, but I'm going to tell them that they're going to clean their room. So it's, it's, it's a matter of God said, I'm going to declare to a man that is filled with pride and arrogance the truth. And that man is going to do nothing but 
buck up against God, shift, uh, rake, uh, or shake his hand in the face of God, and shake his fist in the hand of God or face of God, he knew that that's what he was going to do, because God was going to show himself as a one true God. There, there, there was already wickedness in his heart. He was already rebellious. He was already angry. And God said, go and show Pharaoh what I have told you, that I am who I say that I am. I am the great I am. That's what he was to do. And I don't think if I ever realized that this was in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? There's some things that you're reading through. Like I said, when we talk some of these stories, we just hit the highlights of it. Look at verse 22. Tell me if you ever thought or knew that this was in the scripture. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So he's drawing this comparison. He said, I want you to understand the way that it is. Israel's my kid. These are my people. They are the children of God. They are the children of Israel. We use that term all the time. That's how God viewed them. Those are my kids. And I say unto thee, let my son go. God said, you're going to word it that way. Go in there and let my kid go. Let my child go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. This was from the very beginning. I, I know we've kind of talked about this, that there was 10, 10 plagues, and it was a matter of saying, well, the, well, that didn't work, and that didn't work. Well, let's try one more time. Here we go. And what? No, it was all part of the plan. From the very, very beginning of the thing, God, it wasn't a matter of like, Lord, what are we up to? I think that was number eight. Okay, well, let's, tr- let's go for nine. Let's try nine now. It, it didn't happen that way. It was literally from the very beginning that God said, I'm going to harden his heart because I'm going to start picking on every one of his gods. And at the very end of it, because he is going to reap what he sows, he's going to put, attack my kids and I will attack his. That's what's going on here. How would you like to be the one to deliver that message? You talk about picking a fight with the wrong guy, walking before Pharaoh and saying, hey, God said to let his people go. And by the way, if not, he's going to kill your kid. You know, I mean, that, that, that's not the easiest thing to say. You know, but that's what's going on. But God was going to be faithful through the difficulty. Keep in mind, we are talking about how God is faithful through our difficulty. So you can see what God is doing through this as we go through this. And God blesses Moses. How does God bless us when we're going through a hard time? Now, on Sundays, I've been preaching a lot about the church and moving forward, what God does. And the church is God's people. And we come together. And the reason we come together for a mission and what we accomplish through the church Notice what God does as he does things through his people. Verse 27. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and he met him in the mount of God and he kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words which the Lord had sent to him and all the signs which he had commanded him. It was neat. Moses was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And God says, I have something for you. And God brings his brother into his life at that moment to be able to come alongside of him. I'm telling you, that's how God works. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. God works by bringing people into our lives to say, you're going to do something hard. Life is going to be difficult, but you're not going to do it alone. God sent Aaron to be with him. In verse 29, Moses and Aaron went and gathered together the elders of the children of Israel and Aaron spake all the words what the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he did the signs in the sight of the people. God blows, blessed Moses with this warm embrace of the children of Israel. And, and they were like, man, you, you can imagine how man, Moses was like, wow, this is working. And last time I was here, it was a total mess. And, and now I'm coming in, and they're, they're accepting me. And the people believed. 
And they that heard the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and they looked upon their, their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped. Man, after all that traveling and time and stepping out on faith, and it's like, wow, God, this is so cool. Let me tell you, let me warn you. Go ahead and serve God. Go ahead and start declaring what is right, moving forward, serving God, loving people, all this other stuff. You're going to be like, ministry is awesome. Better wait. Let me just tell you, Satan's going to sit there and go, no, you're not. These people are in bondage. You realize that Satan loves for people to stay in bondage. It's not about the freedom. The, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth will set you free. You think Satan's for that? Absolutely not. I can promise you this. As soon as you rise up to do what's right, I guarantee you you're going to have problems. Why? It's the same thing. You say, man, I'm pretty good at bouncing this ball and playing basketball. And Satan comes out on there and says, yeah, but you're going to go up against me. Same thing in parenting. Same thing in leadership. And if we follow God, we will face opposition. So he's on this high. Things are going to plan. Everything's going well. And it says in verse 31, and the people believed and they bowed their heads and they worshiped. And it's like, man, that's awesome. So now Moses goes before Pharaoh. And now we see how things begin to fall apart. But I want you to see as we do this, how Satan comes after you. I want you to see this. We talk about things being difficult. Let me show you how things get difficult. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. They walked in there with confidence. Man, God sent me Aaron. I've got the rod of God in my hand. I went before the people. They're all like, yes, let's do this thing. You're the man, Moses. Now he's going in there thinking, next thing I'm going to do is stand before him, declare who God is, and everything's going to fall into place. But remember, Pharaoh thought of himself as a god. That's why they had all the false images, and that's why they built all this stuff up. It was all about idol worship. It's all about pride. Pride is at the root of every sin that you're going to find. Arrogance, greed, anything. It's me, me, me. It's all about me. Look at, look at Satan falling out of heaven when, when he fell with the angels. It's, it was pride. It's arrogance. If you're going to fall into sin, I promise you, it's going to start with that, that, the idea of pride. I've got this. I'm okay. I, I can handle this. He held power. He was in a position of honor and respect and worship. In order for Pharaoh to let them go and worship, he had to admit there was another God. He'd have to admit that he was wrong. That's, that, that's poking the pride of a man that was like, you're going to come in here and tell me there's another God? You want me to let my servants go and wash, worship some other god? Not going to happen. It, this isn't going to go over very well. He's, he's literally poking the pride of this powerful man. And God knew that. But I'll tell you, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what God was saying. God was going to point that out in this guy's life and say, let me show you this. Let me lay this out. Your pride must be broken. And that's what God's going to do through this. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Man, he's so arrogant. It's like, I don't know your God. I'm not going to listen to somebody I don't know. It's, it's almost like God was saying, in a sense, <clears throat> let me introduce myself. He was going to do it in the most elaborate, powerful way 
to prove, I'll show you who the Almighty God is. The kingdom of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? Moses and Aaron, we have a lot to get done around here. You need to get out of my face and let my people work. That's literally what he's saying in this. So you guys are getting in my way, your distraction. And after Moses and Aaron walks out, he's sitting there thinking, yeah, I know how to fix you. That's what Satan does every time. You think, oh man, I just defeated. Satan doesn't work that way. He's not going to just let that go. That's not, what, that's not what he does. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land now are many. He make them rest from their burdens. He said, he said you're, you're, you're trying to get them to go into the wilderness and have this, and I have all this work to do. And Pharaoh commanded the same day taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give the people straw to make bricks. As to for, let them go and gather straw for themselves and the tail of the bricks. And they did make it there heretofore. You shall lay it upon them. You shall not diminish aught thereof. For they will be idle, therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice unto God. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to crack down on them so hard. I want to make them squirm. I want them to hate Moses. I want them to hate their God. I want them to think that everything that God promised them is a failure. They are going to say, let my people go. And as a result of them crying out to their God, I'm going to bring down my wrath as a result of them looking to their God. That's what he was saying. You cry to your God, you're going to answer to my wrath. That's what he was doing. He was building himself up above God in this passage right here. They were already in a bad situation. They were already beat. They were already mistreated. They were already working beyond what their limits that they could do. And they were, this, this was not asking them to do something that was difficult. It was literally asking them to do something that was impossible. It was, it was literally putting more on them than was physically able to do. And what was Pharaoh's purpose of doing this? Look at verse 9. And therefore work and be, uh, let therefore the work be laid upon them, the men, that they may labor therein and then regard the words as vain words and let them not regard the vain words. He said, literally, he said, I want them to be so miserable. I want them to be so mad that literally when I say the word Jehovah God or when I mention Moses, I want them just to, to be mad. I want them to be aggravated. I want them to be irritated. He said, I, don't, I want them to disregard because of the pressure. Now you think about how Satan works in our lives. And you guys know this is true. He will push us and push us and overload us and stress us out to the point where we're not looking at God. We're just mad at everything. And a lot of times it's self-inflicted. And I, and I know in our lives, we keep on taking things and we stress ourselves beyond measure. And we're, 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 we, we take on financial obligations and we can't say no. And we, we do this all the time. It's just in our human nature as, as people. But that, that's what happened in this situation. They, they, his goal was spiritual warfare. His, this is how Satan works. He works through people and circumstances to stress you out and wear you out. He wanted them to despise Moses. Verse 6 again, and Pharaoh commanded the same day taskmasters of the people. Now you got to understand the same day. So these people literally are like bowing down and worshiping God and God is able and God did this. The same day he walks in there and says, get up. There is no rest. There is no sleep. You're to go out there. You're to provide for yourself. He just made everything miserable. He, Exodus 4 verse three or 31, he just talked about all the victory that they had. 
They went from one extreme to the next. And verse 10, And the taskmasters and the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your, you straw where you can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So we're not going to cut back on anything. We're going to lay this out all on you. And man, this sounds hard. But like I said, it wasn't hard. It was impossible. Isn't it weird when things are worse and you think, don't ever ask the, the, the question, can things get any worse? It, it's amazing how Satan's got a way of beating us down and frustrating us and making us literally think there is no way out of this. It's just what he does. Verse 12 so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmaster hasted them, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily task. And when there was uh, straw, the men could not find enough straw. They could not find enough. So now they're getting behind in even the task that they were called to do. And the officers of Israel, the children of Israel, which were Pharaoh's taskmasters, said over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today? as to for. Man, it's like miserable. They're pulling them up and they're beating them. Now, the cool thing is, or not the cool thing, the, 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 the creative thing that Pharaoh was doing was literally all pushing them to this level just so they turn around and say, why are you doing this? That was the whole thing. So he can turn around and point right to Moses and said, that's why. Satan will do the most creative things behind the scenes and working ways to divide us. He will try to, he, you know, it wasn't that he wanted the people to hate him. He wanted the people to hate each other. He wanted them to go after the man of God. He wanted them to go after the people. He wanted them to rebel against God. He wanted them to do that. And let me warn you with this. When trouble gets into our life, Satan will creep into our hearts and our minds and make us blame God for the things that literally Satan is doing. We'll get divided, being a dad. And you're thinking, man, I'm going to lead my kids. I'm going to lead to do what's right. I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to do all this. And man, I'm going to lead my family. And then you get all this opposition. You're like, God, I thought I was doing the right thing. This doesn't add up. Verse 15. And the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given to thy servants. They say to us, make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. So we're failing, and it's all your fault. They were like, if you want us to do this, then you have to help us. But remember, Pharaoh's job, and through all of this, was to make them fail on purpose. To make them hate Moses. That was the reason. But he said, ye are idle, ye are idle, therefore say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. He said, no, 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 wait a minute. You're not understanding. He's being sarcastic with this. That's literally what he's doing. He's pulling out sarcasm. He said, no, you're the one that came to me and had your representative said, we have, we're idle, which that's not what Moses said. He said, well, just let us go. But in his mind, he said, if you've got all this free time, then obviously you guys can do more so that you can go worship your God. And as soon as he said that, they were like in their mind knowing, oh, this was Moses. This was old Moses came in here to try to deliver us. And all he did was make things worse. Verse 18, go therefore now and work, for there shall be no straw be given to you. 
Yet shall you deliver the tale of bricks. He said, I will expect just as much out of you. I will not provide and I will ruin you if you don't. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were evil in an evil case after it was said, you shall not minish all your bricks for your daily tasks. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way and came before, before Pharaoh. And they said unto him, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Pharaoh is laughing all the way home. Talking about when life gets difficult, and it does. I'm doing the right thing. I'm serving God. I'm just trying to do my best. I just want to do the right thing. Satan doesn't work in the way, and I, and I know when I talk about spiritual warfare, and we, and, and have you ever been to like a Christian bookstore, you get on Amazon and you're looking for a spiritual warfare book, and it's got somebody with the armor of truth, you know, the, the full armor of God, and they've got that sword, and it's got like this giant dragon head and this fire coming up and all this. And I mean, I think sometimes we think of Satan as being this dragon, and you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like almost like a fairy tale type thing. And Satan's laughing, going, yeah, just, that's how I work. Yeah, right. No, that's not how he works. He, 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 he'll work by making your wife aggravated at the husband and make your kids aggravated at you. He, he, he'll get your boss aggravated at you because you invited him to church. He loves to, he loves to divide. He loves to stir up anger. He loves to get us horizontally fighting against one another because we vertically get our eyes off God. And it happens all the time. We're looking at spiritual warfare. We're literally looking at Satan is working, what he's doing here. And the whole result of this was just a matter of keeping the children of Israel in bondage. Let me point out, I remember I said that things would never be easy. But how do, how do we turn this? How do we flip this? I mean, you say, what, what do I do? And, and I can tell you, as, as a pastor, I've been in that situation before where I'm thinking, man, I... I can't do the right thing to save my life. There is, there's not a right thing that I can do. It just seems like everything just makes everybody mad or everything just falls apart on me. And God never promised that things would be easy. And so look at what Moses does. Verse 22, Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. And Moses returned unto the Lord. And I love how honest he is. He's just brutally honest to God. And he said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to his people, neither has he delivered thy people at all. Now, the crazy thing is, God told him that this would happen. Do you remember when we studied last week? God literally said, with a strong hand I will go up against him. With a strong hand he will not let thee go. That's what he said. He said, he's going to resist you. He's going to fight back. But with a strong hand I'm going to break him. It's weird how God will tell us in this world, you'll have persecution, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Then we have persecution. We're like, where are you, God? And God's like, really? <laughs> I told you this. I, I, I told you your kids would be rebellious. I told you the church would go through opposition. I told you things would get different. Oh, I told you this over and over again. But I love what Moses is doing. He's going before God and just saying, what do I do and it reminds me of Matthew 7, 7, where the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. When you don't know what to do, it's amazing how we'll run to everybody that we know. And God says, just come to me. I, I've got it worked out. And by the way, I told you this already, but let me tell you this again. I know what I'm doing. 
God responds to Moses. And this is how God shows his faithfulness through his difficulties. And this is, this is where I'm getting to with all of this. And it's not in the way that you think. Sometimes it's just a matter of thinking different. It's, it's a matter of, have you ever had a, a, an argument with a relative or your spouse or whatever? And you're thinking they're so wrong or man, they don't understand. And then you get together and then all of a sudden the things that they're saying, they're going, oh, oh okay, I, I didn't get that. I didn't under, that's, so that's why you said, okay, I, I, I totally didn't understand that before. And it's not that the situation changed, it's your perspective of the situation changed. You, you begin to understand what God is doing. God begins to say, Moses, can I tell you what I'm doing? Can I tell you how I'm going to do this? So we're almost going to get into a little bit of a doctrinal study of the names of God. And for some of you, this is going to be a complete review. But a lot of the doctrine of the names of God stem from this passage right here about the very, the very foundational names of God, of study the foundational names of God comes from right here. But it's introduced when Moses was at a breaking point. And I think it's important for you to understand when you're at a breaking point and you're just thinking, where are you, God? I, I did everything that I knew to do. I'm trying. I'm failing. I'm frustrated. God, I'm a little mad. And the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Sit down. Let me show you what I'm going to do. This is so cool. With a strong hand shall I let them go. With a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Be reminded that God's plan was not to negotiate with Pharaoh. It was to break him. God does not play with sin. God will not negotiate with your pride. You, you cannot go before God and say, man, I'm mad at you. No, you humbly come before God. You can't go before God shaking your fist. We come humbly. We come broken. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess to God. God was saying something. He says, no, he's evil. He has pride and he's arrogant. I will not negotiate with this man. God does not negotiate with evil. God does not deal with pride. God breaks these things. When we deal with difficulty, keep this in mind, who stands with us. When you face difficulty as with your kids or with your boss or with your family or your mother-in-law or whoever it is, this is how God does it. And God spake unto Moses and he said, I am the Lord. Now, a lot of these things we just take for granted, but they didn't understand these things. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by the name Jehovah was I not known unto them. And you can imagine Moses like scratching his head saying, how is this going to help me? <laughs> like, where are you going with this? You're talking about your names now? I, I, I don't understand this. I, I'm asking you for help, but you're just telling me your name. Jump down to verse 7. And I will make you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who shall bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into a land concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give to you a heritage. I am the Lord. See, God begins to say there's a lot more going on than what meets the eye. I think in every time we face difficulties, God's working behind the scenes. God's two weeks ahead of you. God's a month ahead of you. God's working this out. God stands behind you. 
God knows the hearts of your kids. He knows the opposition. He knows how they're going to slam the door. He knows how you're going to get into that fight. He knows how you're going to get the resistance. God knows all that. And sometimes God has to sit down and say, do you know who I am? Do you know I'm for you? Do you know everything that you're facing, you're not doing by yourself? You're not just some random servant. You're not just a mom or a dad. Do you not get who I am? I am the Lord God. I created you. I am for you. I will do this with you. When he was saying in verse 3, he said, I appeared unto Abraham, to Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name God Almighty. He said, they knew me by another name. But he says in there, he said, let me tell you how they didn't know me. They didn't know me by Jehovah, which I was known, which I was known unto them. I, I want to wrap this up just by explaining what God was saying. Why was this so significant? Why was this so special? Why did this happen? And like I said, I've done a lot of names, uh, messages, Bible studies on the names of God. This is kind of a foundation. This is kind of where they all stem from. See, the Jehovah name that God was giving was Yahweh. It was an unwritable name. Even back in the Bible days, Jewish scholars, because of the name was such an intimate, personal name of God, they would not even write out all the letters for it. They they didn't feel like they were worthy to write out Jehovah God, this name of God. A lot of times they would, Jewish scholars would substitute the name Ananai because they would fear that they would smear or mess up or, or damage the name of God by even trying to write out the name Jehovah. It was pronounced Yahweh, the way that they would do it. The root word Yahweh means to become or to be. It's foundational. It's the beginning I am everything. I'm creator. I'm author. I, I was, you talk about the result of this, and God said, I'm the author of this. You get frustrated sometimes with your kids because they, they question you, like you don't know what you're talking about, like, Dad, you don't know, things like this. And you're thinking, I knew this before you were born. I've been through this. I've walked through this. I've taught this. I've experienced this. And you, you just don't understand who you're talking to. Yahweh is mentioned 7,000 times in the Bible, 700 times just in the book of Psalms alone. See, Jehovah was introduced at the very beginning of the Bible, but they didn't even understand it because when sin came in, it altered the relationship. There was, there was, there, there was, a, there was a divide. Let me take you back and I'll explain. Genesis 2.9, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the Lord God, Jehovah, planted in the garden east of the garden, and he put the man whom he had formed, and on the ground the Lord God to grow every tree that was pleasant for food, good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Jehovah, or the Lord God, capital L-O-R-D, God, is the, the, the name that we're talking about here. And God says, they don't know me as that. But the beginning of it, God created man for the intention of man to know him like that. God, God didn't just randomly throw out the word God, and I'll show this to me. When we see the word Lord God, he's creating man. When you see the Lord God, he's breathing into man. When you see Lord God, he's walking with man. When you see Lord God, he is making them in the image of God. When you see Lord God, he's commanding them, he's teaching them, he's calling them out. This name is personal to God. It's kind of like my kids were joking with me the other day, and they were talking about, if we're at church, can we call you pastor? My kids were asking me this. I was like, you're not calling me pastor. I'm your dad. Call me dad, okay? 
And you say, for me, if, if they came up to me and they called me, Pastor, can I have a word with you? I'm going to be like, what? You know, it's like, that's, that's so impersonal. It's, I, and I know for you guys, it's not. But the difference is for my kids, those are my babies. I, I have a close relationship. They, they could break through a crowd and walk up and give me a hug, and I'm never going to be upset with them because that's my kid. That, that, that's where they belong. They belong close to me. They're, they're next to me. They're, if, if I'm in an audience out here, I'd let, let's say we have 500 people on Sunday morning, and somebody said, Pastor, I'm not going to quickly identify who said that. If I hear the words, Dad, I'm going to turn and know it in a second. If it is Morgan, I'm going to know. If it's Jordan, if it's Logan, I'm going to know. God was saying, and, and I don't take this out of context or whatever, but God was saying in this passage, they've known me as pastor, but not as dad. And, and just using that illustration. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God is Elohim. God is creator. Creator. God spoke everything into existence. Let them in dominion over the fish and the sea and the fall of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and creeping things. Creator. Genesis 1, 1. Genesis 1, 2. Genesis 1, 3. What do you find? And God, and God, and God. Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. Do you want to know how personal it was? And God said, and it was. God said, and it was. And God said, and it was. But not Jehovah, not Lord. Flip the page, go to chapter 2. When he gets to his children, he gets on his knees, takes the dirt, his own hand, forms man, breathes into man, lifts up man, walks with man, teaches man, confronts man, meets man's needs. God's drawing a comparison between God, God, Almighty God, if you're out there, and that's what they had for all those years. It was just the distant God. It was the creator God. To be able to walk out there and say, I believe there is a God. Well, good for you. Do you know him? Do you know him? Because sometimes we'll feel like we're all alone in life and say, man, I don't know if there's even a God and I know there's a creator and I know somebody created the sun, moon, and stars and Elohim, 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 Elohim. I know that there's a higher being, Elohim. But God said, I don't want them just knowing me as the creator of the universe. I don't want them knowing me from that distance. Even when man fell, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, and I heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. When man messed up, when man sinned, it wasn't God, God, the creator. It was Jehovah. Adam, where are you? Adam, come here. Adam, sit down. Adam, what did you do? Eve, what did you do? It was, it was interactive. Like me as a father with my kids. No, come in. I'm, I brought you into this world. I'll take you. I, no, it's like, come here. Sit with me. Talk. I want you to know what's on my heart. And unto, Adam, and unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. But then what happened? Sin separated man from God. So all of a sudden the relationship now 
is the is, is almighty God is what they knew. But it broke him because he said, I want them to know me as Jehovah. I want to be their God and I want to walk with them and I want to be with them and I want, I want them to want me and I want, I want, I'm going to step into their needs and I'm going to step into their hurts. And that's why when God brings them into the wilderness, the Shekinah of glory comes down and they have the tabernacle and they pick it up and they carry it and they're led by a pillar of fire and they're led and God drops the manna through. It was, it was the beginning of the introduction of the whole Testament of the fact that God was saying, I want to be with you. And they had that veil that came down between them. Where did that come from? It came from Moses and Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. All of those passages of that, of the fact that they would get as close as they could to the Shekinah of glory of God, but they were still separated until God in the New Testament through Jesus Christ ripped the veil in half and we have total access to God. Because why? God said, I want them to know me personally and not distant, not far away, no walls between us. They didn't get it. So back to Exodus. That's what Jesus, or what God was sitting down to say, man, you don't get it. This is not just about Pharaoh. It's not just about his pride. I'm coming back to redeem my people. I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to step into their lives and I'm going to step into their hurts. And yes, I have to go up against Satan and Satan's going to fight back. And by the way, when Jesus came to go up against Satan, Satan fought back and went into the hearts of the Pharisees and went into the heart of Judas and we went into the hearts of all these people. That's what he did. And they rose up and they did what? They made life worse. Throw the cross on him, spit on him, mock him, whatever, until he was broken. Because that's what sin does. He was broken for us. He was the substitute. That's what Jesus, God was saying through Exodus 6, verse 6. Wherefore, I say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I want back in your life. I want back. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will rid you. Do you, do you, hear, Jesus, do you hear our God preaching? Do you hear him pouring out his heart? He's no longer, stop talking about Pharaoh. Stop talking about that. Let me, let me talk to you. Let me share my heart with you. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will make you, I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will bring you into a land concerning which I had sware unto you, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for heritage. I am Jehovah. It's the whole thing of what God wants. God, God fights against the pride and the opposition and everything that we're going to. Because it's not just a matter of God's trying to free you from the opposition. It's more because God wants to be part of your life. It's a message that Moses needed to hear. It was a reality check. Man, I had this all wrong. God, I didn't get it. You weren't just trying to let them go. You want to be to them a God. And you're going to rescue them. And you're going to free them. And man, when you poke pride, it's going to stir up and Satan's going to be like, man, every single time when you're kids and you're trying to say, man, I want to be in my kid's life. I want them to go to church. I want us to be in church. No, dad, that's stupid. I'm not doing Man, don't be surprised when you face opposition. 
Satan's going to pull every string he has. He's going to use every tool that he has. But the main thing that God wants to do is to have a relationship with you and his people. Remember at the beginning of it, those, the children of Israel is my child. I want my child back in my life. And I will break him. I will bust down the pride. I will bust down the arrogance. I will bust it down until I can free them and bring them back into relationship with me. What a promise. You cannot read Exodus 6, 6 through 8 without you seeing the New Testament foretelling where God says, I will set you free. I will make you my people. I will dwell among you. You will be my kids. I'll be your father. I'll be Abba Father. I'm going to be in your life. I'm going to dwell in you. You're going to be set free from the bondage that you are. It's all, it's a parallel to what is to come. And by the way, what are we gearing up towards really fast in the next couple of weeks? What I'm going to bring you to probably next week is going through the, 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 the 10 plagues leading all the way up to the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And those that are covered by the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed were set free from the bondage and from the, the wrath of sin. It's powerful. So here's the truth. You will face difficulty and opposition in life. You know how God deals with it? God says, let me tell you this. You are my child and I will never leave you. I want to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to deal with it. You're not alone. So maybe it's cool because you're like expecting how does God deal with our difficulty? Number one, God, number two, and I I left all points out of this because the only point that I want you to know as you serve Jehovah that wants to be in your life, to walk with you through your problems, to be as close to you as possible. That is how we get through our difficulties.